Welcome to Ask AI, the podcast that brings you insightful interviews and news from the world of Canadian artificial intelligence. This episode is sponsored by Microsoft Canada. Microsoft is committed to building trusted and responsible AI systems. To learn more, go to microsoft.com AI and check out their free AI business school to start building intelligence into your solutions today. We're also sponsored by Cinchi, the global leader in data fabric technology. Visit cinchi.com to learn how to eliminate integration and turbocharge your AI transformation. Hello, everyone. My name is Jackson Kahn, and today I'll be your host of another episode of the Ask AI podcast. We've been so excited recently to profile so many great folks in the AI sector, especially in the Canadian context. Today, I'm really excited to have another fantastic guest on board. Um, his name is Mark Speaker, and he is the Industry Solutions Executive for Microsoft Canada, which covers actually a portfolio comprising utilities, oil and gas, forestry, pulp and paper, mining and discrete manufacturing. Mark brings over 20 years of experience in the industrial space, working within industry leaders in both technology and business to advance their thinking around emerging technologies and innovative concepts. Most recently, Mark let me know he's been taking a huge focus on AI and sustainability, and that that intersection is looking to make a really big difference um, in the way that we move towards a more sustainable future. Mark, thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. Thanks for having me, Jackson. It's my first podcast. So I'm very excited to do this and, uh, you know, looking forward to the experience and, and talking about anything you'd like to talk about today. Oh, fantastic. Well, really looking forward to getting started. Uh, and I usually always start this off in a, in a pretty similar way, but you know, is how did you get here? how did you get involved with AI and, and what's really been your path to, to getting involved with this technology? I always loved math and statistics, I guess, growing up and I have a, you know, math and economics degree from the university of Alberta. And then I took, a you know, finance degree, which was really an extension of all the, you know, the, the work in math. And back then, which was, you know, I, you know, early 90s, you know, we were working on all kinds of interesting algorithms, but we never really described it as data science. And, you know, my first job was working for TELUS in the pension and investments department, really doing quantitative work. And, uh, you know, we never had that data science elevation uh, that we do today, but I was fascinated by people who were working on algorithms. We had a, a fellow, uh, Malcolm Jones, working in the fixed income or you know bond department and building the first neural network that I saw with uh, you know using Delphi back then. And he was trying to get it to run fast on PCs and not having that computing horsepower. And so it was interesting to see that early work. And in fact, I've got a number of friends, you know, that are in their early fifties today that look back and say, you know, we were doing that. Some of the most interesting things, we just didn't have the computing horsepower that's available off the shelf from companies like, you know, Microsoft and others today. And, and uh, a lot of that's being enabled. So that's really w what led me there. And, you know, I've spent the last 20 years in um, oil and gas mining and utilities in the last six years at Microsoft. And, I see Microsoft as a digital Disneyland, and that's really what uh, has enabled so many companies to do so many interesting things. And I, I'm particularly interested in energy and sustainability, you know, as we approach this new world. And, and we've got events like COP26 upcoming, and and so we're we're looking at the world of energy transition, but also how to make this a you know greener, cleaner planet. And it's, it's these tools and, and abilities that are allowing us to do that. So that's exciting for me. Cool. Um, I, I really appreciate sharing that background. And it's so cool to hear, you know, how far things have come and, and maybe the capabilities 
that we have now to, to finally execute on some of the ideas uh, from earlier on. Um, to get right into it, I, I was wondering if we could jump into talking about you know how AI can actually have an impact on the industry, and and I'd like to focus that on you know going beyond operational efficiency. So, for example, I, I I'm certain that a lot of people could imagine, okay, we we pull together all this data, say in oil refining, industrial manufacturing, we could definitely try and make those processes more efficient by identifying bottlenecks, other other areas we can improve. But do you also see ways that AI can support a more fundamental transformation in, in the way that our society manages energy? I do. And you know, to your point, if you look at the the last 10 years, AI, machine learning, we focused a lot of these tools on improving processes that are in place today and making them, you know, a little bit better. And now that shouldn't be understated when I think of, you know, the customers that I've worked with and, you know, you, you mentioned oil refineries, for example, and you, you'll take a process like crude blending. How do you take all these different types of crude oil and how do you make products more efficiently like gasoline, jet fuel, kerosene, et cetera? You can, you can take an existing process, and if you improve that by 5 or 6%, A, you're typically talking about hundreds of millions of dollars, but you're also people making in investments in that area where they haven't before. I look at you know our friends at Breakthrough Energy Ventures, as you know, you know Bill Gates is a founder of, of Microsoft, has now really jumped out there uh, with Breakthrough Energy, and he's saying, you know, what are the game-changing things that you know, are going to create the new energy sources or also going to have a huge impact on, you know, the world's carbon footprint or clean water or ecosystems, you know, things that we haven't even thought of before because we haven't had the ability to do those before. You know, autonomy interests me in a big way. And, and uh, you know, our oil sense customers, for example, of doing, you know, a- autonomous trucks, but they haven't really been truly autonomous. They're not anywhere near uh, level five or really even level four uh, uh, autonomy. So I think of the where the what are the fundamental industrial use cases where what should machines be doing that people are doing today where we they probably shouldn't be doing it. So you know really in an industrial environment is 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 fundamentally uh, you know unsafe for humans in many ways. That's why we focus on on safety and, uh, and safety practices first. But you're going to see large scale you know autonomous mines, for example, and you're starting to see a few of those around the world. But most of the customers we're talking with are thinking about how in the next eight to ten to twelve years, how to how do we take something that currently has maybe ten thousand people and do that with machines? and they're they're not actually thinking about you know eliminating employees. they They want to actually have those employees doing higher value work. how do they how do they manage and monitor that centrally um, but have machines interact with each other in, you know, in a more uh, autonomous way. And publicly, people are always talking about, you know, Tesla uh, working on autonomous vehicles on the roads, but I actually think the industrial scenarios are, are much more controlled and therefore much more uh, attainable and achievable. And so, you know, that's just one example. At Microsoft, we've got some really interesting programs. We have Project Bonsai, that really allows you to create sort of this closed loop autonomous process. And I see lots of industrial use cases for that where people are turning knobs and dials today, but machines are going to be doing that and, you know, sort of self-balancing and, and you know, Project Bonza is an, an interesting one. We also have Project AirSim, which we originally created to help train drones. And so uh, 
we needed to be able to create these digital environments like a city, for example, and say, I need to train a drone to fly through that. Well, you don't wanna train that drone in the real world and have it crashing into buildings. You wanna be doing that in a digital environment. So AirSim allows you to create that digital environment, but have the actual physics inside it. So you know when that drone is crashing into a tree and, and where it's not. So when that algorithm is deployed on a real drone in the real world, you don't have all those problems. And so I, I see that investment. Microsoft ourselves is really not a robotics giant, but we are an algorithm giant and we're creating these digital environments that are gonna enable for you know more autonomy. And that's where I see AI and going. So what are things we could never do before that we can do now, not just that 10 or 12% improvement on a process. And, and those are super exciting. Yeah, super, super exciting. I really appreciate you going uh, in depth on that one. Um, one of the things that, you know, you, you mentioned a lot of different uh, opportunities that Microsoft's working on. Uh, it's fantastic. I'm also wondering if you see signs of collaboration, say, either between Microsoft or between other organizations in the space that, you know, that might otherwise be competitors. Like, where are people really coming together on this one? Yeah, and, and the environment and sustainability is one of my favorite topics. And, you know, we've been sharing data, knowledge, et cetera, from, you know, our data center teams, you know, with Google, with Amazon, with others, because if you think about the, you know, the major challenges there, you know, we're all big users of water, for example, but, you know, we don't need to hold that information as a competitive advantage. Let's make all of our data center providers around the world better at using water. Let's make all of us better at using energy. You know, we've gone from using 1% of the world's electricity to almost 2% of the world's electricity between ourselves and our two major competitors. And, you know, we can compete on other areas. Let's compete on how we serve the customer or how we build new software products on top of this stuff, but let's share sustainability data. And, and so we're doing a lot of things in, in, in that area. We've got, uh, Microsoft's got the planetary computing platform and we're sharing all kinds of interesting things across water, waste, agriculture, you know, the earth itself, satellite data, you know, we should be sharing there. And I think that's one of the most exciting things in sustainability as well. And we're, at the same time, you know, we're creating products that create visibility on, on certain things. And one is, you know, your computing footprint. So we, we released something called the Microsoft Emissions Impact Dashboard, for example. So if you're a company, how do you know uh, your data center's impact on the environment? So that's what this, this tool allows you to do. You can see that immediately. And you're going to see that across all, you know, industrial environments. What what does your impact look like? And I think that's where there's opportunities to, you know, to share where companies are traditionally competitors. You know, where can they share that's not necessarily, you know, so com so competitive in the in the oil and gas or energy industry. Uh, you know, really, it's the geology and geography that companies truly compete on. They don't compete on safety so why should you hold that data to yourself you should you should share that uh, you know across the industry we've seen some fundamental changes in in the in the energy industry not just in canada but worldwide uh, we've been working on something called um, osdu or the operational subsurface data universe and that's one of the the key areas if you look at underground why don't we why don't we share better so it's not just us but other other software companies, you know, Schlumberger would be a good example. You know, typically you bought 
their software, uh, which would be, you know, Delphi would be a good example. And it would come with um, data sets and, and companies would keep their proprietary data sets and not share that with their neighbors because they saw it as so competitive. Well, now there's a new framework and new standards that allow you to easily share data. And the expectation is that you will share data. And the expectation is when, when customers buy software from us, they expect us to do more sharing uh, than we ever have. A lot of people don't know that Microsoft is the largest com contributor to open source software in the world today. And, you know, that wasn't always our history. Absolutely. You know, when Windows was uh, invented and created as we went through the 70s, 80s and, and 90s, that really wasn't our mantra. It wasn't about sharing. You know, we compete on our platforms, but uh, we're certainly sharing software like we never have before. And now this next wave of sharing fundamental data for specific reasons, sustainability being a, a great one right now is really that, that next wave. You know, I, I encourage any listeners to uh, check out our planetary computer and look at all the data sets that are out there. It's just stunning. Um, look at them, you know, look at the satellite imagery and, and look at the challenges that we face and how can open data solve that? A key one that I think about is emissions around the world. Like never before have you been able to see um, methane emissions on the globe or carbon emissions on the globe, but you can actually go there and, you know, and see that. And companies like GHG Sat out of Montreal would be a good example. You know, they're, they're looking at the Permian Basin and, and they're alerting these energy customers to say, hey, something's happening here. You should take a look at it. And they're also in alerting environmental groups. The, the nice thing is we're having these open conversations um, about real data where we haven't had it before. And, and, and uh, so, you know, that's, that's good. And that's, it's also, you know, alarming for others. You know, you, I was, I was looking at the map the other day and looking at you know, how much methane is coming out of uh, Kazakhstan, for example. And I, who would have known, I mean, I guess, you know, they're obviously a major producer of energy, but but now we really know, and we can have a different kind of conversation because of that openness, right? That's so exciting, Mark. Uh, I uh, I agree that the kind of the level of visibility, the transparency, the access to data now is is on another level than even even that it was several years ago. So really cool to hear some of the some of the advancements there. I wonder if you could tell us about a specific project that's gotten quite a bit of attention. It's the AI for Earth project. Are you able to share more about that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I love AI for Earth, and uh, I was one of the you know early advocates at Microsoft, and and really showing that to our, you know our customers and partners. And AI for Earth, it's first of all, it's focused on so climate, water, agriculture, and and biodiversity, um, but it's really bringing the best of our AI technology to a lot of these areas that need focus. So if you think about bringing small companies together with leading researchers at university and the ability to, to grant them some, some dollars, when you, when you bring that together with our, our best AI software and data, magic can happen. Um, you know, I saw a small company, Sylvia Terra, which is now called NCX. They had a mission to map North America's forests um, and they want to use satellite data to say, you know, where is growth happening and where are serious issues in forestry happening? 
And so, you know, they made this available to a, a lot of others. And then, you know, on one side, there was the, you know, forestry companies and they, they, they want that data. Obviously they want to see how they're impacting forests, but environmental groups also want to see, you know, what's the, the, you know, the impact on forests. And that's a, that's an area where a company like Microsoft, yes, we can help incubate with some dollars, which always helps. But when we also say, Hey, take our best AI technology, and, and we're going to make that available to you as well as, you know, access to things like satellite imagery. And when you put those together and you give people with a, you know, a, with a ton of intelligence from our universities, access to that new magic can happen. You know, I love that stuff. I'm a, you know, I'm a volunteer mentor with something called uh, IM YAG, which is uh, Innovative Masterminds at the University of Alberta. And, you know, they're helping incubate small companies to do interesting things. And it's AI for Earth and programs like that that are, you know, giving rocket fuel to great ideas. And, you know, and I really love that. So today we've awarded over 700 grants to projects with impact in over 80 countries. And, you know, we're committed to growing this community of grant grantees. And what I found is when, you know, when people find out about things like AI for Earth and the AI for Earth grants, you know, they really can't believe that, you know, we're even doing stuff like that. You're talking about you're, you're giving money to people and you're giving them the leading edge technology. And, and the, you know, the parameters are really around, are you going to do something fantastic in sustainability? And a lot of people have wanted to do things for years and they've missed those key ingredients. And I think AI for Earth is, is uh, really, really giving them some of that. So I'm really proud of Microsoft and the people at AI for Earth uh, within Microsoft that are doing that. That's so wonderful. Well, for any um, AI researchers or entrepreneurs listening in, I really hope that they take the chance to uh, apply for some of those grants. Um, we'll definitely make sure that we we link that out when we post the podcast. Um, Mark, just wondering if you know there's such a cool ecosystem. It seems like around a lot of a lot of what you're talking about, and I'm wondering if there's any other partners that you'd want to mention. Any anyone else in sustainability? Uh, maybe particularly anyone's based here in, in Canada. For sure. And there's a great set of partners on our uh, sustainability site globally. For example, one of the glo global partners that we work with uh, is Ecolabs. It is just focused on water and helping companies reduce their, their water usage. And so Ecolab is incredibly interesting. But in Canada specifically, I found our relationship with Enercan super interesting. We've helped a customer that was looking for naturally occurring hydrogen. And Enercan is incredible at their uh, data analysis and they're using Azure and Azure AI tools. And I found that, you know, the collaboration between government and our commercial customers, super exciting. And so, um, you know, I think Enercan's really interesting and they're working on uh, three pilot programs currently uh, that support the, their department sustainable development. And they're the electric vehicle and alternative fuel infrastructure deployment initiative the Energy Star Detective, and a Sustainable Mining National Database. And so Enercan has been a great partner with Microsoft. Um, Evergreen Canada is another one, a national not-for-profit organization. They're piloting a new data visualization tool with the city of Calgary. And I think mm -hmm. all cities across Canada could use this, right? How do you evaluate your infrastructure that you have? How do you plan and mitigate the impacts of climate risks as a city? So Evergreen Canada is an interesting one to look with and uh, to look at. Um, I'm also working a lot with the utilities across Canada 
And um, OPG is uh, Ontario Power Generation is, is an innovator in that respect. Uh, they've been using a, a lot of data analytics to do day ahead forecasting where, you know, people have done that before. They can get, you know, incredibly valuable information on that. Um, and a lot of utilities I find are trying to figure out with this new EV wave that's happening, how can their networks handle EV adoption like they've never had to handle it before? You, you probably know uh, BC is now the fastest province or state in North America in terms of EV adoption. That's ha happening incredibly quickly. And a lot of our utilities don't feel ready for that. It's only through data and AI are they going to be able to plan better. What neighborhoods are going to move to EV fast, faster? Where should we put EV charging? What's going to need to happen in the homes? And, and what is all of this going to cost? So there's a whole wave of that I see um, here uh, across our utilities, as well as really interesting leading as research in areas where they haven't spent time before, small-scale nuclear is an example and you know back to the work that that uh, breakthrough energy ventures is doing uh with some of our you know nuclear partners like terra power being an example of that and yeah i think you're going to see ai applied in in new ways to say how can we produce energy differently how can we do that in a, in a safe manner and how can we do that in a completely green manner and you just can't do that without uh you know really modern tools i love to see the startups in this area modern electron out of uh seattle is an interesting one i find and they found a way to generate electricity in the home using a very very small uh bit of natural gas and applying ai between the positive and negative plates uh, for heat transfer and and they were able to create electricity on a super small scale but enough to keep a home powered and you're going to see inventions like that over the next five to 10 years. I really think the next set of unicorns are going to come out of sustainability. And uh, it's it's really fun to just try and help empower them. And, and companies like Microsoft are, are really doing that with with the fundamental pieces that we have in, in, in place, which is which is a lot of fun. Wow, that's uh, that is such a, a range of things. Uh, I'm, I'm so excited to. Uh... For you, I feel like that there, there's so much to talk about, so much to, um, you know, to to build on. So that's that's just so wonderful, Mark. Um, we're coming up uh, on time here, and I just want to ask you for maybe one last send off note. But is there is there one thing that you would point to that you're more excited about than anything in in AI technology right now? Yeah, and it's it's not one particular algorithm or approach. Um, when I hear most people talking about, you know, just the latest advances and natural language or, you know, in one approach, what, what excites me or gets, gets me really going is the democratization of all of this. You know, it used to be, you know, as being one of those guys that were basically in the basement working on algorithms at, at one time, you needed to be so focused and so deep in all of these tools. But I think now you're, you're taking it to the world. So anybody can grab an, you know, an object detection algorithm and say, you know, I want to identify when there's emissions coming off, uh, you know, an oil well that maybe, you know, is down the road for me. That ability to grab those things in a package format and drop that into my application as a developer, 
that's going to change things because we have to have this for everyone. It cannot be just a few highly intelligent people at a university in Montreal that can do this work. So the democratization of it and at Microsoft, I, I think it surprised a lot of people, but you know, or we had a hackathon that was created probably six or seven years ago that started with 500 people and uh, every year it's grown and grown and grown and it's grown to over 50,000 people that get together every year and say, hey, well, what do we want to work on? Let's take these big challenges forward. And I see a huge amount of U UI or AI use cases that are sort of incubated in this sort of hackathon format. And now we're including customers into that hackathon process. So that what excites me is the democratization of AI uh, more than anything. I see people using it for good rather than for the, you know, the, the other use cases that people are worried about in the world, you know, like tracking um, humans and, and, you know, using it for, uh, you know, purposes we don't want to see. I see this whole wave of, you know, improving the world. How do we, you know, find more energy that's green? How do we take care of people's mental health? You know, how do we make the world a better place? So the democratization is really what I get excited about. Well, Mark, thank thank you so much for sharing everything that you have today. Um, I really um, grateful to you, and hope that all of our listeners are able to take away uh, more than a few things um, from <laughs> all that you mentioned, the different programs you mentioned, different projects and initiatives, partners. So um, definitely encourage folks to continue to follow Mark's journey, Microsoft's journey, and and beyond, and continue to check out um, efforts in AI and sustainability. Uh, Mark, thank you again. Thank you. Thank you so much for the opportunity to have the conversation. It was uh, my pleasure. Thank you. And um, to all of our guests, please stay tuned for the next episode of the Ask AI podcast. As always, we encourage you to submit any questions or comments uh, or news. Um, I'd also always like to thank our series sponsors, including Microsoft Canada. Uh, they're the host of the free AI business school, where you can learn how to drive business impact by creating an effective AI strategy, enabling an AI ready culture and innovating responsibly. And also to Sinchi, the global leader in dataware platform technology that makes data integration obsolete, restores data control, and accelerates hundreds of transformation projects. Last, we're also sponsored by ScriptSwap, the AI-powered jargon buster that simplifies business contracts with simple language formatting recommendations. And of course, please don't forget, if you're a team working in Canada and want to share an update with the Ask AI audience, visit our website at askai.org and click on team check-ins. We'll be happy to have a conversation with you. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you so much again to everyone, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Ask AI podcast. The sponsors of this episode were Microsoft Canada, producers of the Free AI Business School, and Cinchi, the dataware platform that makes integration obsolete. The series producer was Chris McClellan. The series editor was James Fajardo. Original music was provided by Mike Letourneau. To learn how to be featured on our podcast and get information about sponsorship and volunteering opportunities, please visit our website at askai.org, send us an email to info at askai.org, or talk to our bot by visiting askai.org forward stroke chatbot.